remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes this morning from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in his field. While people were sleeping, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. When the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. The servants of the landowner came and said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it that it has weeds? An enemy has done this, he answered. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them? But the landowner said, No, because if you gather the weeds, you'll pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow side by side until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll say to the harvesters, First gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned. But bring the wheat into my barn. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. <clears throat> it's good to be with you, here with you all this morning as uh, we worship together. This morning we're going to be starting just a three-week sermon series. We're going to be taking a short uh, snapshot at some of the parables as we read of them in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, some of the parables you may read, and, and they're not exclusive to Matthew's Gospel, uh, so we, and that's because we know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have some similarities in terms of the stories and in terms of the parables and in terms of what happens, which is why biblical scholars call them the synoptic gospels, meaning they can lay them side by side and see where they overlap or are parallel to each other. And so what I mean from them is we're going to be reading Matthew's version of, of these parables and see where he's arranged them in his gospel and we'll take a little time and, and, and talk about them and see what it means for us. And so today our parable comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. And the parable that we read this morning comes from a group of parables where it reads at the very beginning of Matthew 13, it says, That day Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he climbed into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing on the shore, and then it says he said many things to them in parables. Well, if you go to Israel today, there's a location on the shore of the Sea of Galilee that tradition associates that this site is the place where Jesus gathered and where he began to teach the disciples, and then he got into the boat and went a little ways out into the water to where he could teach and preach and more people could hear him. There's an area, it's between Tagva and Capernaum. So if you look where the, the E is on Sea of Galilee and go straight north, that's basically where it would be on the shore right there. I don't have a picture of the place direct, directly, although I need to probably find one if I'm ever going to use it again. Um, but it says that, that there is where Jesus went. And it makes sense for us. Capernaum, we know, is where Jesus based his ministry when he was in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. Peter's mother-in-law had a home in Capernaum, and we know that that is the place that, that Jesus um, based his ministry out of when he was in this region. And so there's a naturally occurring just where the, the ground is, sort of an amphitheater that would have allowed someone from a boat to teach and to, and to talk to a large crowd on the shore who had gathered around there. And, and Israeli scientists have actually gone to this place and done acoustic tests and tried things out. And they've determined that it could be possible in this place for Jesus to have sat on the shore and or sat on the water and been able to preach to those people that were gathered on the shore and then on the banks in this kind of natural amphitheater area so lots of people could hear him. 
Before we begin this morning's message and, and looking specifically about this parable, I think it's helpful for us to, to set the stage for why Jesus has taught this parable. And as I was thinking about it, my sermon was already done, and yesterday I was kind of, ta- you know, just um, thinking about this story, and I think this is one of those parables that's very common to us, but I also think that it's one of those that we need to hear and be reminded of, about um, every once in a while when we read our scriptures or when we hear the word proclaimed, because it's one that keeps us grounded. And so at this point in Matthew's gospel, we're halfway through the gospel of Matthew, Matthew's 26 chapters, and so this is Matthew 13. At this point in the gospel, the Pharisees have begun to follow Jesus to listen to what he's saying. The disciples and the crowds are following Jesus, and all of them are still trying to figure out who Jesus really was. And so for those who followed him, we know that they believe that Jesus was the Messiah, And that most of them were looking and anticipating and waiting for whatever it was going to be for the Messiah to usher in God's kingdom and to bring about eternal reign of God. And so part of their concern was how quickly the kingdom of God was going to become a thing or reality. And so they were asking themselves the questions, what do I need to do to help move this along? What do I need to do to make this this a reality? What do I need to do to ensure that that those who are going to be part part of God's kingdom are listening to Jesus and traveling with him? But then also, what am I supposed to do about those people that I really don't think are going to make it into God's kingdom? It's always good when we start making those decisions for other people, right? All right, so the Pharisees didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but they also wanted to know who he was and what he was teaching, even as they anticipated that a different Messiah would come, that someone who was different was going to come and was going to usher in God's kingdom in a different way, getting into Rome and, and doing all of these other things. And so there were some in both of these camps midst that would have done anything to jumpstart the kingdom. Even if that meant going to arms, even if that meant doing some of the other things that they needed to do, even if that meant speaking out or teaching against those in the Jewish faith that they believed had had gotten a little too comfortable in functioning within Roman government, functioning with the Romans, functioning with the Romans being there. And so we have to remember that that that's the situation in this time as, as Jesus is teaching these parables. And so it's that situation that we can think of when Jesus is is gathered there and he tells those listening that there was a landowner who went to sow seed in his field. After he'd sowed the seed, the scripture tells us that when they were sleeping, the enemy goes into his field and sows, sows weed seeds into the wheat that has already been sown. Now, the scripture calls them tare, T-A-R-E. You can also go look it up. It's this uh, crop likely called beaded darnel that's a ryegrass, and um, it's a, a seed who's toxic to animals and humans when ingested. And so, like, his enemy's playing dirty, right? I mean, this isn't a good thing to go behind someone and plant weed seeds into their field. And so the thing that we read in the scriptures, it says no one knows this until the, the weed plants began to grow. And they began to put on a head, and then people were able to begin to see that there were two different crops in this field. There were weeds, and then there was wheat. You can see pictures here. Both of them are grasses. At at first glance, they're very similar to each other. And so the landowner's servants go to him and say, do you want us to go and and pull the the wheat, or the, the tare, or the beaded darnel up? And what did the landowner say? He said, no, because whenever you pull one of them up, you're going to pull the good crop up too, wheat seeds. Their root systems are going to be interconnected. 
And so in ancient times, then the landowner said, what did he say? He said, we'll pull the, weed, the, the, the darnel up, the, the tear up first, and we'll burn it. And then we'll harvest the wheat. And, and in biblical times, there were three different ways that they would do this. If the wheat grew high enough, they would just reap it over the darnel and leave the darnel in the field, let it dry, and then burn everything. The second was if it was a, a specific area, you know, they would go in and, and they would reap it all together and then they would pull up the weeds. And the third, if it was small, they would har- harvest everything together and then, um, and then usually it would be women at night or men at night. They would sit there and they would go through and sort the wheat seeds out from the weeds since the two were, were different colors. That'd have to be the worst job in the world. As I'm, I mean, <laughs> so... So the landowner says, no, what we're going to do is we're going to wait for it to grow. And then at the end, we're going to gather the weeds. We're going to let them grow side by side. And at harvest time, I'll say, first gather the weeds, tie them in a bundle to be burned, but bring the wheat back into my barn. So like most of Jesus' parables, this is one that's very realistic, isn't it? This is one that I think anyone that was listening who was at least familiar with with growing and with agricultural, could look at and say, uh, that makes sense. And like all the parables that Jesus told, this parable has an interpretation that that goes beyond the the actual story of what's happening in terms of of harvesting this field that's been uh, planted with wheat and then is also infested with weeds. But Jesus also told this parable because the parables lend themselves to a, a life of faith, don't they? As Jesus aimed this parable at both his followers and also at those who are not his followers. So this is a parable that's, that's preached to both. And so for those who are his followers, what is he teaching them? He's telling them that they have to be patient. And I don't know about you, but when I read the disciples' stories or when I... Um, read some of the gospel stories that associate with the disciples, often what they give us is a picture of us, don't they? Of not being patient, of wanting things to happen faster than is part of God's plan, of wanting things to happen according to, to what, what we think needs to happen as, a point, as opposed to what, what needs to happen. And so in our biblical story, and if you read through the gospels, the disciples, they were always worried about who Jesus was surrounding himself with, weren't they? And so they were asking the question, were these sinners, were they clean, were they unclean, were they really the followers, were they the right people? And see, I think part of their, their caution was legitimate because they were worried that unsatisfactory people were going to start listening to Jesus. And I think they were worried that that would take away from, from other people hearing Jesus and having their life changed and, and choosing to walk on a different path and to have a relationship with God in a different way. So I think in some ways, at times, there was a good reason that they were asking this question. But I also know that part of their reasoning for, for saying, are these people the right ones, is they were looking at people and going, can they really have the gall to follow Jesus Christ? Are they really acceptable? I mean, look, at Luke chapter 9, verse 49 and 50. So Jesus has been, has been casting um, out demons and they've been traveling through the land and the disciples come to him and they say, we've heard of someone who's casting demons out in your name. Tell him to stop. And what does Jesus say? He says, you know, 
Whatever's done in my name is done in my name. In Matthew 15, 23, the disciples came to Jesus and, and they were offended that a woman who was Gentile would seek Jesus out to receive healing. And the story of the good Samaritan, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, weren't the disciples shocked when they came back to find him and they found that he was sitting there speaking to her and that he had drank water from, from the water that she had drawn from the well? In Luke 19, you can read of Jesus going to the tax collector's house, a tax collector named Zacchaeus. This one wasn't a wee little man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, so Jesus was invited to go to Zacchaeus' house to eat a meal. And the disciples were shocked that he would have the gall to do that, that he would be willing to do that, that he would be willing to, to intermix with those that when they looked around, they said, unclean. In short, what the disciples wanted to do is they wanted to know how they were to separate out those who were not true followers from those that they believed were true followers. They wanted to know how they were to separate out those who were listening to Jesus but had not allowed his teachings to change their lives and how they were living. And so I think there's a little bit of them because they had made a sacrifice, because they had given up what they had given up, because they had left their boats on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and chosen to follow Jesus around. I think there was a little part of them that were offended when they saw the growing throngs of people who came to Jesus and listened to his teachings, and then they knew other things about those people. And so I think they're asking and they're wanting to know how Jesus intended to weed out those who were not true followers before the final harvest of God's kingdom. And then they wanted to know, what do I need to do to help make that a reality? That's when it gets a little dangerous, doesn't it? Of course, we can look at the Pharisees too. Because they had a reaction to Jesus' teaching in a similar way. They were scandalized that he would even allow himself to be around those who were impure, to live, be around those who were unclean. They wouldn't believe that he would sit down to eat with them or that he would even talk with them. They divided the world into an us and a them, and they did their best to maintain that, even as going as far as to make sure that when they passed someone on the road, there was plenty of birth to go around them, even going as far as to make sure that their robes didn't inadvertently touch someone considered unclean. They were good and everyone else was bad. And so Jesus told this parable to both of these groups and to us. Because what he's saying to them by telling us this parable is to get us thinking about the role of God and about the role of man or humanity in deciding who was right in the eyes of God. See, Jesus knew that if he, we went around and tried to pull up the wheat, or the weeds within the wheat fields, we would pull out good things. He knew that, that you and I as humans, if, if we tried to remove the weeds, we would end up moving part of the potential harvest as well. And so when we try to do it on our own, what does he say? He says we destroy and uproot the good and bad alike. Meaning what he's saying to us is we can't know another's heart from our vantage point, no matter how hard we try. 
And so if we use the words of the parable, if we use the example of this parable, it shows us that we have to be patient and we have to be humble. We have to be patient in, in recognizing that God only knows all the facts and that God only knows each of our hearts and that God only knows what's going on in our lives. Patience in recognizing that sometimes we may be around those who don't live out the Christian faith in the same way that we do. But in doing so, we allow God to work. To bring about uh, His good and, and, and for His glory. Because He only knows the live that the life that I live and the faith that I profess, just like he only knows the, the faith that you live and the faith that you profess. See, friends, what Jesus was saying in this parable is not that the kingdom of God is some far-off thing that's never going to happen in our lifetime. What he's saying to them is the kingdom of God is at hand. And that those who are listening are part of God's kingdom and that the kingdom is here even if there are weeds still among the wheat, even if there are still things happening that, that we may think are not the way that, that they need to be. Because what he reminds us is that God is at work and that God's reaping will sort it all out. It's not our priority to be the one to sort it out. Our, our priority is to grow in faith and to grow in grace and to grow in, in our receiving of God's forgiveness and to grow in our, our attempting to live a more blameless life, a more simplest, simpler life. Uh, our, our job is to, to grow in, in our knowledge of the scriptures and our relationships with one another. And, and our job is really to plant. And our job is to nurture. And our job is to grow so that when God's harvest happens, a harvest is possible. We place ourselves among the wheat and the tares when and how we accept Jesus. It's not God placing us there. God gives us the opportunity to put ourselves there. But it's our own judgment that places us where we are at in terms of how we respond to His grace and in terms of how we receive His forgiveness and in terms of the way that we live the life that God has offered us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.